0: thank you so much for joining us today on episode number 129 of the Real Life Runners Podcast. As runners, we need to stretch, right? That's what we're told. We're, we, we're told that if we want to avoid injury, we better start stretching, and we probably got injured because we didn't do enough stretching, but is that true? So today we're going to go over some of the myths surrounding stretching and what you should be doing instead.
1: This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running.
0: So Kev, you stretched before and after... Every single run, right? You stretch on a daily basis. I have a
1: solid 45-minute stretching routine before and after <laughs> all of my runs.
0: I'm just going to laugh just thinking about that. Like you even having a stretch routine. A
1: routine. <laughs> I, I can look down and see my knees. I think if I bend over to touch my toes, I can touch my knees.
0: <laughs> the best is like when we try to go through some of these like flexibility tests and stuff and you're like, yep, that's what I got. That's and I'm it. like, no, come on, you have to have more than that. And you're like, nope, nope, that's what I got right there.
1: Like, well, it just at least sit up straight. I'm like, I'm trying to, my hamstrings are screaming at me.
0: (laughs) So, today we're going to talk about stretching, okay? Because there are a lot of myths surrounding stretching. Number one being that all runners should be stretching, like, that is definitely not true. So, today we're going to go over a few of the very common ones where they came from why people continue to tell these stories what you actually need to be doing and see and then hopefully that will help you guys to become better and more educated, more informed runners so that you can stop wasting your time doing things that don't really serve you and actually spend your time doing stuff that's actually going to make a difference.
1: Yeah, that seems uh, efficiency is the, uh, the key to the episode. Efficiency
0: here. is the key. Let's see how long we make it. Let's <laughs> see how efficient we are in talking about efficiency and stretching.
1: <laughs> well, we do it. I'll work through my 45-minute routine.
0: <laughs> Kevin's going to be over here stretching while we record. All right, so stretching myths. So number one, all runners need to stretch obviously obviously it's given given
1: someone told me that at some point i think i'm sure i read it all runners should stretch
0: right and that's probably because number two all runners have tight muscles
1: i definitely have heard that one and you see this one like you see people following a workout following a long run runners kind of look like almost like they're hobbling Like their muscles are very very tight yep definitely
0: well here's the thing I hope that runners have tight muscles because tight muscles are kind of a good thing, right?
1: Yes, yes. I, well, I is... want my
0: muscles <laughs> to be tight looking.
1: There is that aspect of it. Of... I
0: want them to look tight and toned
1: <laughs> yes, and
0: strong.
1: Tight. 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 <laughs> okay, tight with two syllables. Nailed it. <laughs> um, the, the thought that all runners have tight muscles is put out there as though it's a negative statement, mm-hmm. where it's not necessarily a negative statement at all.
0: Right, and I don't think that's necessarily true at all because I am much more flexible than you are. I wouldn't say that I have tight muscles. I would say you have some tight hamstrings. Like you've got limited flexibility in your hamstrings. I can bend over and put both of my palms on the floor. So I am a runner and I don't think I have tight muscles. Some of my other muscles might be a little bit tighter than others, but. In general, I think that the blanket statement that all runners have tight muscles and all runners need to stretch is completely false. Yeah,
1: I mean, we got a kid on the team who can, like, lay on her stomach and reach her head back and touch it with her toes. Right,
0: that's true. That's true. And, like, that is a really good thing that you point out here, because there are some runners that are hyper mobile. That means too much mobility, hyper flexible. That means too much flexibility. And that can actually be a bad thing. Like in her situation on the team, she was a dancer her whole life. And so she has a lot of range of motion and flexibility. So I pretty much never have her stretching because she doesn't need to stretch. She's already plenty stretched out. She needs the opposite.
1: Right. Which actually connects to number three, which is the more flexibility you have, the better. That's mm-hmm. all Also, the myth that goes out there is runners are really tight, and the more flexibility you have, the better, which goes back to the first one, all runners need to stretch.
0: Right, because all runners should be trying to improve their flexibility. Also, not true, because as long as you have enough flexibility, that's really all you need. You don't need to keep trying to go more and more and more and keep gaining flexibility gaining flexibility is not really going to benefit you in any way as far as your running goes.
1: No, no. But it's a good thing to point to as a blame for for myth number four here. uh, If you don't stretch, you'll get injured. Mm -hmm. Or the flip of that, if you're injured, it's probably because you weren't stretching enough. Right,
0: exactly. So these are some of the very commonly held myths regarding stretching. Now, There's probably more, you know, but these I I think are some of the big ones. So where did all these come from and why are they still here?
1: All right, so we had some fun trying to come up with where they come from and not just where they come from, but why do people just keep digging into them? Why are people like, no, 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 I have to do this stretch before I run. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a, there's a few, um, there's still coaches out there that are prescribing the same stretching routine that they've been doing for the last 20, 30, 40 years. So there's that.
0: that. Yeah. The people that have been... coaching for 30 years, they started doing this 30 years ago and they had success. And so they're still doing the same thing today.
1: Right. And I mean, the, the research on whether stretching is good or bad or neutral, kind of keeps varying. And mm-hmm. so maybe when they started coaching, sure, stretching was the key, like that was the key to injury prevention. It, it's not, right. but it was at one point believed that it was more of a key towards injury prevention. So, mm-hmm. so they stretch.
0: Right. Exactly. The second thing we thought about is a lot of people come into running after being in some other type of sport, like possibly a team sport, right? And part of team sports are the group stretching. Like, I know I did it growing up, like when we were, you know, in volleyball, in basketball, in softball, we would form a circle. Stretch circle. And there would be the team captain that would be leading and they would say one and the rest of the group would say two. Two. Right, exactly. And so you would all hold the stretch for 15 to 20 seconds. It's just what you did as part of your warm up to practice.
1: Our current football team at, at my high school has a combination of these going at it. They have the guy who's been coaching since like the 1930s, who, who has, like, a voice as though he smokes, like, a carton of cigarettes a day, and he leads them through static group stretching at the beginning of every practice, mm-hmm. where he calls out all the odds, and the team responds with all the even numbers. Yep. That's their stretching routine at the beginning. Right. But... You know, we've got a cross-country team. I've got a track team. You know why you do group stretching? So you can take attendance easily.
0: Mm-hmm. That's,
1: honestly, that's the major reason I do it. I, it's not hindering anybody on the team to do this thing. And so I do a very short, all right, like, do, do the stretching you need as I knock off attendance really quick. We don't do that. I do with my track kids.
0: Oh, with your track kids. I yeah. was like, in cross country, we definitely don't do that.
1: No, in cross country, there's... Well, you're there helping to assist, and we have too many coaches that are helping to assist, and we right. knock out attendance quickly. I got a lot of kids on the track team that are all moving in different, different directions. And so in order to sort of organize them all in one move. I, I bring them all together. I'm like, all right, we're going to do some leg swings on the fence. And I knock out my attendance while they're doing that.
0: Okay. But leg swings is a little bit different than the static stretching that we're talking about. Yes,
1: it's true. And I have kids allergic to the grass, so I don't want to sit.
0: There you go. Um, another place this may have come from is if you think about when you were in grade school, PE class, right? Like Part of PE class was the presidential f- physical fitness test. And you did some stretching in PE class to prepare for your flexibility sit and reach test, right? Ah,
1: the sit and reach. I just saw an article that there's a group of athletes that is trying to get the sit and reach test removed from the presidential fitness.
0: Really? Yeah. They're yeah. trying to
1: get it just taken off because well, there's not a point.
0: Well, there's no point, right? <laughs> because the research is showing that flexibility doesn't is not a good measure of physical fitness.
1: Right. So if you take athletes who their main like athletic venture... Was team sports where there was the group stretch and PE class that always begins with the stretching routine mm-hmm. because then the PE teacher could organize like a, a group of small children and for like five to ten minutes just have them do like arm circles and mm-hmm. what, what's the one cherry pickers that's a good one
0: cherry pickers yeah you know,
1: where you reach down in front of you and then between your legs and then behind your legs
0: oh okay that's a good one there
1: you go um and, and you know some of these basic stretches that I remember since grade school. Mm-hmm. Now you're out and you're trying to run and you're on your own. You're like, well, every time I've ever done an athletic thing, I always started it with this stretching routine. So I'm going to pick and choose the ones that I like and I'll do those and then I'll go run.
0: Exactly. Um, Another reason that people stretch before they run is that it could feel good. I mean, some people really like stretching. Other people hate it, but some people like it. So they just do it because it feels good, and they think they should, and so they do it.
1: Right. They think they should, and that leads to, I think, the last one, which is if you're at a gym and you look around you're like, uh, I'd like to be a runner, that person runs, I saw them stretch before they got on the treadmill, I'm going to stretch before I get on the treadmill, mm-hmm. poof, now you've got a stretching routine.
0: Right. It's so a follow-the-leader effect.
1: Yes. That person looks like they're fast, they look like they know what they're doing, and they stretched, so stretching must be the answer, not realizing that that person did it just for complete arbitrary reason themselves.
0: Yeah, who knows why, (laughs) or or if they actually know what they're doing. But they look fast. Yes. (laughs) So I'm just going to do what they do so that I can be faster. There you go. There you go. So this is just kind of some of our musings about where some of these things possibly came from. Um, But today we're going to talk about what actually works and what the research is showing and then obviously what we do now after years of experience with both coaching and physical therapy and um, the ways that you're actually going to help improve yourself as a runner as an athlete and as a human being excuse the interruption but i just had to pop in and let you know about an upcoming workshop that we're hosting inside the real life runners academy if you're someone that's ever struggled with thoughts or beliefs that are getting in your way or you think you're self-sabotaging yourself and you can't understand why you're doing things that you don't want to do or not doing things that you know you should be doing or want to be doing, this message is for you. We're hosting a special academy workshop May 14th and we're bringing in an expert in neurolinguistic programming, Miss Megan Blacksmith. And she's gonna be teaching us how the thoughts that we have can either be helping us in our life or holding us back. And we want to invite you, our amazing podcast listeners, to join us. So you don't have to be a member of the Academy to join us this month You can join for a small one-time fee by going over to realliferunners.com forward slash workshop. If you are a current Academy member, this and all of our monthly workshops and all experts, that's all already included in your current membership. So if you are a current member, do not go to the website and repurchase because it's already included with your membership. But if you want to join just for the workshop, check it out over at realliferunners.com slash workshop today.
1: One of the first things we have to talk about here is a couple of, well, for lack of a better word here, vocab terms to get ourselves all situated. When we talk about stretching, a lot of people immediately go to flexibility, but there's another very key term and that's mobility. And it's this term that now gets thrown around a lot and people are like, oh, I have to be as mobile as possible. No, no, no. I need to be as flexible as possible. And there's some people that don't really know the difference. Thankfully, we have the good doctor with us. So can you please explain the difference between <laughs> flexibility and mobility?
0: Right. And so, I mean, I think it's also a important. important to point out that people don't know that there is a difference.
1: Oh, yeah, totally. These are synonyms. Right.
0: People think that flexibility and mobility are interchangeable terms, and they really aren't. So for our discussion today, we're gonna talk about mobility versus flexibility. Now, when our joints move, there are several different things that are happening. So there is motion in the joint itself, and a joint is where two or more bones meet. Now, there's movement between the bones. Like, so when we bend our knee, one bone kind of glides and rolls on the other bone. So that's part of what's called joint mobility. So the joint mobility is the way that those bones are moving and gliding and sliding on each other, okay?
1: Hopefully not grinding as you bend your knee.
0: Yes, definitely not. So the term mobility is basically the way that two surfaces move against each other, okay? The term flexibility is more about the stretch involved. So mobility, think about movement, If you have proper movement, if you have proper rolling and sliding and gliding, and flexibility is whether or not the muscles have enough stretch to them.
1: Okay. Make sense? I think I'm with you.
0: Okay. So when people talk about stretching, they're trying to increase the muscle flexibility, which is the amount of stretch that a muscle has. And that's what traditional static stretching does. It it tries to lengthen the muscle by increasing the amount of stretch that that muscle has.
1: Okay. So flexibility is all about being able to stretch out muscles. Right. And mobility is that the joints themselves are moving fluidly Mm -hmm. and that the muscle fibers inside of your muscle are gliding along each other Fluidly. Right.
0: We didn't really cover that yet, but yes, that's a very good point. Like, it's not, mobility is not just about the joints. There is also tissue mobility, which is kind of like a third category. And that, like you said, the, the muscles are all lined up. And when muscles contract, they should slide and glide nice and easily along each other. And when there's scar tissue or other gunk in the area, for lack of a better word, um, sometimes those muscles are not sliding and gliding nicely and smoothly on each other. And there can be those areas areas of like tissue restriction, like when you feel like a knot in your muscle, that is decreased tissue mobility. Where people think that stretching is something that will help improve that and it's really not. A lot of times not
1: gonna do it at all. No,
0: a lot of times that stretching can even make those worse because you actually have to loosen up that area of bound up tissue in order to regain like the normal slide and glide of the muscle.
1: Alright, so you go into your pantry, you go to take out that pack of spaghetti mm-hmm. and a slight bit of moisture has somehow gotten into the pack of spaghetti. And so instead of all of the noodles just nicely sliding out, like four of them are stuck together. Right. And so you've been convinced that the way to fix this, that it's not moving correctly, is to increase your flexibility. So you grab that strand of stuck spaghetti and yank on the end of it really mm-hmm. hard. Yeah that, in an effort to fix it.
0: Yeah do you think the spaghetti actually stretches.
1: So you're just going to end up snapping spaghetti? You
0: snap the spaghetti, right. That
1: sounds painful to my hamstring.
0: Right. And that's... Thankfully,
1: I'm a good 20 minutes into my flexibility routine now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So that's actually a good analogy because when you stretch a muscle, if you're actually trying to stretch a muscle and improve your flexibility... It's actually tearing your muscle in order to lengthen it, which causes an inflammatory response in the body. So do you really want to be doing this all the time? Because you can't just like stretch a muscle, like to stretch and actually increase the length of a muscle, I'm gonna say it again, you actually have to create micro tears in the muscle to lengthen the muscle, and then the scar tissue comes in and kind of repairs that with the inflammatory response, and then that muscle is longer because now you have little bits and pieces of scar tissue built up in the muscle as well.
1: Right. It's. Uh, I'm going to go with the, the spring analogy on this. If you have a tightly coiled spring and you hold it and kind of stretch it open for a while and keep it in that like stretched out position when you let go, it won't completely coil back. Like if you stretch it really far and then let go, it totally coils back up on itself. If you stretch it and hold it for a while Mm -hmm. and let go, it'll coil back but not quite all the way. Mm -hmm. If you keep stretching it out and holding it long enough, eventually it just stays that length. Mm -hmm. That's increasing your muscle actual flexibility.
0: Right, and that's the same thing with like a rubber band, okay? You can think of it a rubber band analogy as well. If that rubber band stays stretched out for a long period of time, it's not going to ever regain its normal tautness.
1: Right, which may or may not be a good thing depending on what your what your aim here is. Right,
0: and a- any girl especially knows this. Like, if you've ever used a ponytail hairband and, and put your hair in a ponytail, how many times, like, can you wrap that around itself and stretch it out before that ponytail is going to lose some of its elasticity. Like it's just not going to be as elastic as tight anymore. It's just, that's what's going to happen. Riley. It's it's so funny because now um, scrunchies are back, you know, like in in style. Thank goodness. And there's like this whole, like, Visco kids and you wear scrunchies on your wrists and it means different things and all,
1: all my high school boys are know. wearing scrunchies right. on their wrists I don't because even know what to do with that is this
0: true like someone told me that it's actually like a way to to say whether or not you like have a girlfriend like if you're taken it's on one wrist and if it's not, it's on the other wrist. I
1: would have to have lengthy conversations should... with my high school freshman boys. Yeah, you guys I should don't see, want to. see
0: Kevin right now, like shaking his head as I'm having this conversation.
1: Physically ill over the thought <laughs> of having a lengthy conversation about what the scrunchie on the kid's left wrist means. Yeah, because I'm sure that there's a definition to
0: it. That's just not a question you're gonna ask.
1: No, I tried it one time, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I just I just wear it." And then like there were seventeen like jokes and people. Giggling and stuff, and I'm like, All right, I'm just gonna let that be. I'm just gonna let it go away. Yeah,
0: Yeah. so if you've ever used a scrunchie, so anyway, Riley came to us the other day and she goes, Mom, my scrunchie's dead. And I go, (laughs) What do you mean? And she showed it to me and she held it up, and like the elastic inside had totally snapped. Yeah, and so it was just this, you know, long piece of cloth yeah essentially you know um, fabric and she's like it died so anyway that that's another good analogy like think of the scrunchie right like after you use the scrunchie or rubber band enough times it gets stretched out but it's how many times do you have to use that in order for it to actually stay stretched out so it's the same thing with your muscle like in order for you to actually improve the tissue length of your muscle you have to actually stretch it now, this is one of the research studies that has been done relatively recently. You have to stretch a muscle for three to five minutes, like to hold it, right? So if you're holding a hamstring stretch, let's let's go with your hamstrings right now. Yes. You're going to get into a hamstring stretch position and you're going to hold it for three to five minutes.
1: That sounds uncomfortable already.
0: Four to six days a week. No, thank you. Done for 10 to 12 weeks.
1: And I'm quitting.
0: Right. So that's what it actually takes for you to increase the length of a muscle. So if you're stretching your muscle, you know, your hamstrings for 15 seconds, 30 seconds, a little bit after your run, you do that a couple times, you're not actually increasing the flexibility of your muscle.
1: Yeah, let's do this one more time. This is three to five minutes, four to six days out of the week. So
0: basically every day.
1: Basically every day, holding a single stretch for a minimum of three minutes and then doing that for... About three months, right, and that will actually improve your flexibility. That's the, so. That's
0: what actually showed a significant change in the length of a muscle. But
1: according I've never to research study. I've never seen anybody do that, right? You know, in in the classic before practice begins group stretch that I've watched lots of other sports do, they count to twenty mm-hmm. at most. They count to thirty,
0: right? And this is the other reason why static stretching should never be done before an activity either, because like I just said, stretching, actual stretching where you're trying to increase the length of the muscle induces an inflammatory response So, and also induces micro tears of the muscle. So do you really want to be tearing your muscle and inducing inflammation right before you go out and run?
1: No, no. If I'm doing a hard workout, I'd like to, you know, cause inflammation and in micro tears because of the hard workout itself. <laughs>
0: right, exactly. So you can do your stretching afterwards once that inflammatory response is already started. It's
1: already there, right. so I might as well do, do a little stretching.
0: Right. So if you do want to stretch your muscle, now this is important, okay, because what do we actually need here? Because in the beginning, we started out with all runners need to stretch, which we said is a big fat false statement. So... All runners do not need to stretch. All runners do not need to increase increase their flexibility. If you do, okay, because you might have tight muscles, like there might be a benefit for you to stretch your muscles if you don't have enough.
1: Yeah, if you don't have enough. And there's a lot of muscles in the body and there's there's a sort of gray area as to what enough flexibility is that depends strongly on what activity you're doing. Mm -hmm. Like... Relaxed distance running does not require a giant range of motion. It does not. Like, think about if you've gone off on a long run. When you finish it, you feel like you almost want to like reach your arms up over your head and get that big like I just woke up, kind of like yawn giant full body stretch, because you've been in this very limited range of motion for Mm -hmm. however many miles you've just gone through on a long run. It's not a huge range of motion. Sprinting requires a larger range of motion, but if you're also adding in some like some cross-turn kind of stuff where you're doing, you know, like the, the full body Olympic style lifts, that kind of stuff, like deep squats. Mm-hmm. Um, give me some other examples of things that have a huge range of motion, like the
0: snatches and the above head motions. Like that's one of the things that oh, like you know, Olympic, style lifts. Olympic style lifting. Yeah. Um, that can get people into trouble because if you don't have enough flexibility for the activity that you're trying to do then it can become an issue then you can strain a muscle then you can tear a muscle and you know um you can rip a tendon like that that can be a problem all right so if you need to increase the length of your muscle in order to have enough flexibility for the activity that you want to perform then stretching is a good idea for you but keep in mind if you want to stretch to actually increase the length of the muscle We, like we said before, three to five minutes, four to six days a week done for 10 to 12 weeks on that one specific muscle. Okay. Um, the other thing to remember is to do that after activity. Like you never want to do that before a run. Always do that at the very end of whatever it is you're doing.
1: Right. So. At the beginning of a run, you see people that do a warm up, and I, I think that if you're going to do something where you're running with faster stuff, you've got some sort of speed work put into your run. You've got um, even even if you're just doing like strides, you want to do something that prepares your body for a larger range of motion. That's that's good for a dynamic warm up, and you mm-hmm. keep throwing static. Uh, static stretching, and I think it's important that we clear clarify static versus dynamic. Mm-hmm. Where static, you go into a stretch and you just hold that stretch in that position for whatever the period of time is.
0: Three to five minutes. Right.
1: If you'd like it to be productive, the answer is three to five. What a lot of people are doing is 20 to 30 seconds, Mm -hmm. counted quickly in their head. Which is
0: more of a dynamic type of stretch.
1: It really is. So dynamic is a stretch where you move in and out of the stretch.
0: Right. And the definition of dynamic, depending on who you talk to, can be anything from one to 30 seconds, really. So a dynamic stretch is really more of what we want to be doing as runners, okay? Like I said, you need enough flexibility to do the activity that you want. More than that, you really don't need, okay? But Dynamic stretching is a very good idea, especially as part of an active warm up. So you know it's not really stretching. That's so it, it's kind of a misnomer here. It, it's more of like just dynamic movement is really what yes, we're looking for. Yes, dynamic
1: movement. Stretching is not the word because you're not actually increasing the length of anything, and you're you're not attempting to create micro tears. You're trying to essentially activate the mobility of everything and right. tell tell your body, hey. We're going to start moving now so everybody get on board because I need all of my muscles firing together so that I can get the workout in.
0: Exactly. So stop thinking about stretching and flexibility so much. Try to shift your mindset more to mobility. Okay, so the title of this episode is Stop Stretching and Do These Things Instead. What we really want to focus on mostly is mobility and strength training, okay? These are the things that we as runners need more of, like I said, unless you are one of the people that need to actually stretch.
1: Right, if you have like some some actual limitations in your flexibility that is hindering you from being able to run correctly, then your form is gonna look awkward, you're gonna be overcompensating with other muscles that mm-hmm. are doing things they're not supposed to, you're probably gonna be very asymmetric when you run, and that is gonna to lead to very likely injury.
0: Correct. And that would be a good reason to actually stretch and to improve your flexibility. And Sure.
1: And in that case, you could say you may have been injured because you did not stretch
0: enough. Could possibly. Yes. <laughs> but we today let's, let's focus the rest of the time on the things that we actually need to be doing. And that is mobility work and strength training. Okay. So let's get back to mobility work, especially as part of an active warm up, dynamic stretching, dynamic movement. Why is this important before we, we run? Well, number one, one, we want to wake our body up, like Kevin said. We want to just kind of start to gradually start to awaken our muscles gently start to fire these muscles to let our body know what's about to happen.
1: Right. And I mean, this is part of the the full warm-up routine that I go through with my track kids. And I had some that didn't like it because they, they came from a different school and they're like, oh, that, that's not how we warmed up. I'm like, okay, well, that's how we're going to warm up now. Because I start them by walking with high knees. It's like high knee marching. And they're like, oh, no, no, we just did a skips, which is skipping with high knees, but that was Mm -hmm. their first move. I'm like, we can get there, but we're going to start by walking with high knees and then maybe we could do some, some high knee jogging and then we're going to get into a skip, but it's going to just keep building on itself. But we're going to start with something really gentle so that you don't leap straight into a super powerful motion of trying to skip and bring your knee all the way up. That's just too much. Start easy and just kind of keep increasing the motion.
0: Exactly. Another benefit of an active warm up is that you're increasing the the mental connections, that neuromuscular connection, that is the brain's connection to the muscles. You're starting to fire that that connection and strengthen it, so that when it comes into your run or your workout or your race, that connection is already firing on all cylinders, and you're ready to go.
1: Yes, and I, I want to key in on that firing on all cylinders as you start working all these these motions. Your brain's like, okay, yeah, I need to use these muscles. And then you keep working the motion, it's like, okay, wait, I need to use more of these muscles because you got a lot of muscle fibers down in, I don't know, let's say your quads, like you're going to need them when you run. Mm-hmm. Okay. When you first start going, especially if you're going at a very gentle pace, your brain's like, all right, I'm going to use as little of these muscle fibers as I need to. But if you're trying to get to the point where you're going to start doing some faster running and stuff, the the increased range of motion, the increased uh, desire to get your mobility going is trying to get your brain to say, no, 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 not just some of the fibers. I'd like you all to start knowing that you're all on duty. We're all going to get called <laughs> into action here. Let's let's go. Everybody's getting ready to fire.
0: Yeah, Exactly. Another benefit of the active warm-up and the dynamic types of movement is that you're actually starting to circulate synovial fluid in your joints, okay? This this is the fluid in all of your joints that basically helps to lubricate your joints and kind of fill up your cartilage with the fluid and get all your cushioning ready for all the impact that you're about to put on.
1: So... Let me try another another metaphor. I love these. Mm-hmm. All right. I so, love when
0: you just think of metaphors on the fly, too.
1: <laughs> they always go well.
0: I, I can't wait. Let's All do right.
1: it. So the cartilage between, let's say, in your knee from, from uh, femur coming down, tibia underneath you. You got it. So you got a little like cushion in there.
0: Yeah, that's your meniscus.
1: Uh-huh. So that guy in this process literally is like a pillow between bone coming on from on top and bone coming from underneath. Okay. You make the, you fill the pillow up with more fluid.
0: Or a sponge, you know, it could be a sponge. Sponge.
1: <laughs> that would have been a better one. That would have worked better.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're, yeah, you're basically just hydrating, you know, you're hydrating the joint and you're, you're just allowing the fluid to move. Like think about when things are, um, now I'm going to try to come up with an analogy on it's the It's a water
1: balloon. You're not going to get a whole lot of cushion <laughs> if you have a flat balloon there. But as you start working in it, it fills it with synovial fluid. I totally nailed the pronunciation. <laughs> now you have a cushiony water balloon in between, and that's going to make you run squishy and nice. There
0: you go. I mean, it's really the difference between like a stagnant pond and... You know, like, when you are, like, especially if you run in the morning, right? You you run in the morning and you wake up and, like, everything is just kind of, like, stagnant and stiff. And then... A nice babbling little brook that you find as you're hiking through the mountains.
1: Excellent. There you go, right? Brilliant metaphor. Okay. I find high-end speed so hard in the morning. <laughs> like even even if I've gone through a run and I'm like, I'm awake. I've been running for 45 minutes. I still find it hard to try and get strides in at the end. Okay. Like I just don't feel like I'm going. So I usually do six strides at the end if I'm, if I'm going to do strides in that particular day. The first two are not going well. And at, for a while there, I tried to like force them and I'm like, okay, this is, that's just pointless to force them. So I use the first two to just gradually build up. Mm-hmm. So maybe the last like three steps of my first stride feels good. And then the next one, I try and just slowly build up and get to it. And after the first few, then I can, I feel like my muscles are moving correctly. So even though I've already run for like 45 minutes, I still need to build up and actually get it because it was an easy run. So I had a very limited range of motion. Mm-hmm. So I use the first two strides is sort of a a brief rush dynamic warm-up for the back end of my strides
0: there you go i love that and then finally another good benefit of the active movement before getting into a workout is to help decrease your body's perception of tightness this
1: is my favorite one i
0: know so what is a per, what is perception of tightness basically it, it means that you think you're tighter than you actually are
1: and and most people do right. like if i i I know I read a study on this and I can't remember it and I tried to find it when I was writing the outline and I couldn't find it but there was a like they gave a survey to people of like rank yourself from 1 through 10 of how flexible you think your muscles are then they had them do a workout and then they had them rank them again mm-hmm. and they they always rank themselves way less than they actually were and like from before to afterwards they were like almost identical in flexibility because it's flexibility it's the length of your muscle mm-hmm. but they're perceived tightness was way different from before and after.
0: Right. And this is the thing is that when people are stretching, they actually think that they're loosening up their muscles. You're not actually stretching your muscles. You're not increasing the length of your muscles. All you're doing is basically our our muscles have these things called muscle spindles and um, Golgi tendon organs that basically give messages to our brain on how tight our muscles are. And so these little Guys are in every single muscle fiber in our body, and so basically, what we're doing when we actively warm up is we change the message that those little guys are sending to our brain and saying, "Oh, we're not so tight. We can, we can do more than this." Okay, and so a good example of this is if you like are to stretch your your hamstring. Um, if you get down on the floor and you try to lift your leg up with your knee straight, you kind of see how far you're able to go, right? Mm-hmm. And then what you do is you kind of push down and you resist against your hand and then try to pull it up again and essentially you're most of the, most likely you're going to go further the second time. Yes. You didn't just lengthen your muscle magically. <laughs> okay? What you did was you Dang changed it. I
1: could have sworn I had you it. You
0: changed the perception in your brain of how tight that muscle is because basically the, um, these little guys in your, in your muscles that, that we're talking about here are kind of like the, the stop switch, the kill switch, so that your body doesn't tear a muscle, right? So you're, it's like your body's own safety system.
1: And what's the fancy term for them?
0: The muscle spindle and the Golgi tendon organ.
1: Nice. Yeah.
0: So basically it's one of those things where y- you get to a point where they start to fire and they're like, no, 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 you can't go any further than this. You're too tight. If you go any further, you're, go- you're going to tear the muscle. And then you're like, no, 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 no. And you basically just kind of reprogram the messages that the muscle is giving to the brain. So you're to actually show, no, it's okay. We have more range of motion we have more length than this
1: the body's safety protocol it, it keeps you way way too safe yeah it just it does you know when you're running and you it starts telling you you're tired you need to stop you need to slow down your your heart's going to explode your lungs can't work anymore it sends you that warning i mean you're so far from running into the wall like i was trying to explain this to to my students in class i'm like imagine that you're sprinting across this classroom And the wall is all the way over there. It's like 40 feet away. Your body starts sending you signals now. you need to stop. And it doesn't send you signals that you should slow down. It sends you signals that you need to stop Mm. and you keep going. And now you're like 20 feet away from the the wall and you still didn't get hurt. And your body's like, no, 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 definitely stop now. And you're like, no, okay, I'm still good. I made it, I made it halfway. Mm. And now you're 10 feet away from the ball. The message is always the same. The message is always stop. Mm. Eventually you'll get to a point where your body will just stop itself from absolute danger. Like it, it, it has to shut itself off. Mm. But for the most part, you can just kind of keep convincing it that it's telling you the wrong message.
0: Well, I mean, I think that's that's true when it when it comes to fatigue and those kinds of things. Perception of tightness is a little bit different because if you do keep going, you will tear. You through will the eventually muscle. tear. Yeah, you you absolutely will. Um, there's there's a reason that we have these things, and it is to prevent just you tearing in through muscles.
1: But kind of waking them up a little bit allows them to to get to your full range of flexibility? You got
0: it. So basically, like, when you're doing an active stretch or an active movement, you're, you basically work into that range where you feel like, okay, that's, I'm feeling really tight right there, and then you pull back. And then you work into it, and then you pull back. Kind of like what you say with your strides, you work into it, and then you pull back. And when you do that each time, it's kind of like you're just bumping the ceiling just a little bit further each time, right? Like you're bumping, bumping, bumping and then all of a sudden you're you know, taller than you were.
1: Yeah. And or you have more
0: space than you did.
1: Right. So then you're able to actually the muscle can have its full flexibility. Right. Because it it's there. You're not actually changing the flexibility. You just weren't able to access its in its full level of flexibility when you first started. Mm-hmm. Because the Golgi something something was stopping you. GTO G-T-O. Mm-hmm. Cool.
0: Yeah. So that's the the benefit of... Those are some of the benefits of an active warm-up and some active dynamic types of stretches before your workout. Um, great idea for runners to do. Great idea. We definitely... Advocate this for runners um, before after activity. It's just one of those good things that we should be incorporating to help to improve our mobility. Now, the second thing that we want to think about is tissue mobility, and that, like I said, is the way that the tissues are actually sliding and gliding on each other, and it's less stretching that we need to do here and more tissue mobilization. So that's like massage, actually getting in there to try to break up these areas of scar tissue. And there are lots of different techniques that you can do for that. Foam rolling is one of them. Um, people like to use lacrosse balls, tennis balls. Um, the stick is one. Mm-hmm. People have like, you know, these vibrating massage guns that they use now.
1: Yes, the massage guns keeps coming up as an ad on my Instagram yeah. feed. I'm like, I don't want a gun. It's yeah. fine. Stop it.
0: So that's the point of all of those. That, that's to actually Actually help to improve the stickiness in of your tissue you don't want your muscles to be sticky you want them to slide and glide nicely along each other so that's another aspect of mobility that you need to work on and I would definitely suggest doing more of those types of things versus straight stretching
1: So foam rolling is probably way more effective than trying to bend over and touch your toes.
0: Right. Especially active foam rolling.
1: Oh, yes. Where you kind of find that spot and then, well, I I get spots on like my calves. So you find a tight spot on the calf Mm -hmm. and you kind of leave the foam roller there and then you you point and and flex your toe over and over again. Right.
0: Exactly. Okay. Yep. So it's like, it's. Holding that spot as and combined with movement. Nice. Yeah. So, those of you that are in our Real Life Runners Training Academy, there are videos on how to perform all of these techniques. So, if you have any questions, if you're a part of the Academy, just go into your members' area and check out the. Uh, lessons on soft tissue mobilization.
1: Yeah, thankfully Angie's demonstrating them um, and it's not me trying to show my, my lack of mobility <laughs> and just crying as it happens.
0: Actually, there is some good videos of you showing trying to show off your hamstring mobility. Yes! Yeah, in the self-assessment testing. Oh, okay. good. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So it is in there. Yeah, because we do have some um, tests in there also for, for our members that... For you to actually assess whether or not you should be stretching, whether or not you have enough flexibility or mobility in the different areas of your body so that you know whether or not you need to be doing this and spending any time on it, or if you should just forget about it and do something else instead. That's right. Yeah. All right. So, besides stretching, besides trying to improve our mobility and flexibility, Let's talk a little bit about strength training, okay? Because I would much rather you be focusing time, especially if you are a real life runner with a limited amount of time to be doing things, do less stretching and do more strength training.
1: Oh yeah, that's a huge trade-off like, and especially if you have like a 10 minute stretch routine that you're putting in on the back end of your day and you're like, Mm -hmm. oh, well I have to, I have to limit my run today because there's this 10 minute stretch routine I do in the end of it. Nope. It's probably not necessary for you at all.
0: And if you want to limit your run to, to do a 10 minute routine, do a 10 minute strength training routine instead. There's a lot of really good things you can do in 10 minutes of strength training. Um, you, there's a lot of good body weight exercises you can do. If you have like a band, there's a ton of really good stuff that, that you can do. And because there's simply a lot of muscles that aren't strengthened properly just from running alone.
1: Right. I mean, running does a pretty good job of strengthening your major muscles of your legs, mm-hmm. but it doesn't do a good job of getting like all of them, especially like the stabilizing muscles, like it uses them, but it's, 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 not activating them all as much as it should it's hard to get things that are involved in lateral motion when you're running in a straight line it just it doesn't activate those muscles and for a long time people were like oh you don't if you're a distance runner don't strength train you're just gonna get all big and bulky and that's gonna slow you down and all of the research for the last many many years has been like nope that was poor thinking that's actually more likely to get you injured because you're running and you're too weak and your muscles aren't coordinating correctly strength training is super important
0: right because like kevin said before there's just a very limited range of motion that we also go through during running, especially if it's just easy running or medium running, which a lot of runners tend to fall into. Like, if you're not doing higher end speed workouts where you're trying to fire more muscle fibers and go through these greater ranges of motion, then if you're just going out and doing like your normal three to five mile loop on any given day, you're strengthening the same muscles over and over and over again, and eventually those muscles get more efficient at doing it, so then they're not getting as much of a benefit every time you go out and do the run either.
1: Right, and you get you get a little extra benefit if you're like trail running and hill running yes. and stuff, just because of the uneven surface, right. and you're going up and down, and you're activating more muscles and stuff like that. If you're doing a predominantly flat road course, it's, it's eventually just not working a whole lot of muscles for you.
0: Right, and then some runners also suffer from from decreased muscle activation in some of the most important muscles for running, specifically the glutes. Like the glutes or the gluteus maximus should be on when you're running. And a lot of people don't activate their gluteus maximus muscle enough, and so they tend to overwork their hamstrings instead.
1: Yeah, or the one gets tired and so then you activate the other and the neck gets tired and then you try and figure out how to reactivate your glute muscle and it's already like, yep, I'm done for the day. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for trying.
0: Yeah, and there's there's some varied opinions on this out there in the literature, especially in the PT world. Like there's a lot of physical therapists that talk about, you know, activating your glutes. And then there's other physical therapists that say, what do you mean activate your glutes? Your glutes are activated. You don't have to do anything to activate them. You don't have to turn them on. And so there are these kind of camps that are fighting sometimes like on social media and in the literature and stuff like that but basically (laughs) go ahead
1: i'm sorry i'm such a small child sometimes you said turn on your glutes (laughs) so that's just funny you're
0: funny (laughs) so anywho Since we are talking about the glutes, let's talk a little bit more about which muscles you should be focusing on when it comes to strength training as a runner.
1: It's the glutes.
0: It is the glutes. That's true. So gluteus maximus, medius, and minimus, those are the three glute muscles, and they're all important. Your gluteus maximus is your power muscle. Okay, that's the biggest one. And the medius and minimus are more of the lateral hip stabilizers. So they're important for pelvic stability and alignment while you're running so that you're not just flopping all over the place. Because if you have weak hip stabilizers, a lot of times that leads to knee pain, back pain, all sorts of pain.
1: This was how you first fixed my knee pain. Mm-hmm. You were in physical therapy school and you were trying to get me to do a clamshell exercise and I kept doing it. And in order to do it, I was using weird muscles. You're like, no, no, no. Do that same motion, but activate this muscle right here. And you like, you kept poking me in the hip. and I just I'm... wanted to
0: touch your butt. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, no, I could be a small child too.
1: I said hip, um, but yeah, you were trying to hit like my glute medius, Mead, yeah. and you're like, no, no, it should it should activate right here, and I kept doing the clamshell, and I was not activating that muscle at all. I had managed to completely figure out how to do that range of motion without using the muscle that was supposed to be being used to do that. Ring. Yeah. yeah. I had managed to avoid it. And because my, I was then going through my normal running motion and that muscle just was never firing. Mm-hmm. And so my knees were then crashing towards each other more than they should. And it was screwing up my form and I landed awkwardly every single step. And eventually I hurt my knees. Like I could go good for a while, but eventually I'd build up my mileage to a point that it was just too much of my body because I was not landing smoothly. So you taught those muscles how to actually fire and now I can run smoothly and I haven't had knee pain since
0: yeah that's pretty awesome so glutes are extremely important okay um other muscles like in your upper back I would I would say to focus some strength training on those as well, like your scapular stabu- stabilizers, which are like the muscles between your shoulder blades, because that's going to help improve your posture when you're running. You never you don't want to be the runner that's all hunched over because if you're hunched over, then guess what's going to happen?
1: You can't breathe.
0: You can't breathe, right? Because if you're hunched forward, your shoulders are rounded, your chest is is kind of shut down your lungs can't expand all the way so when your lungs can't expand then you're not getting the amount of oxygen in that you need and you're going to get tired more easily you're going to get out of breath you're going to get muscle cramping you're going to get side stitches all those other fun unfun things
1: yeah all of those are super important but let's focus on the most important reason to have good posture while you're running When they take your race pictures, if you're all (laughs) slouched forward, it is never a good race picture. Not flattering. It's just, it's not a flattering look. So you want to have good posture. One, then they can see your number across the chest. Because then they can actually send you your picture. And two, you would actually be inspired to order it. Because you're like, I look strong in that picture. As opposed to, you look like you're completely hunched over. You kind of got this turtle look going. Your neck is sunk into your shoulders. Your shoulders are all curled forward. And you look like you're getting ready to crawl across the finish line.
0: I really wish you guys could see him demonstrating this posture right now as he explains it. Nailed it. Nailed it. All right. So back muscles, glute. And hip muscles. Um, and then third, your calves. Okay, your calf calf muscles are super important as a runner. You want to be strengthening your Achilles tendon, your gastrocnemius, and your soleus. Those are the two main muscles in your calf. And just for, you know, your party f- conversation, again, that it was the gastrocnemius, also abbreviated gastroc.
1: That's the big ball at the top of the calf.
0: Yeah, and then the soleus is the runner's muscle. Yep. And so that is... Um, you know one of the things that that has the highest n- level of type one fiber muscle fibers in the body, mm-hmm. which are your long slow endurance types of muscles, which is why it's called the runner's muscle. fun little fact for you, but basically when you strengthen your calves, your calves should act as a spring when you're running but let's go back to your spring analogy yes, please so when you take a step you're um, calf muscles—they shorten, which is kind of like coiling that spring. And then when you push off, they sh- they contract. So you should be like uh, getting that little explosion of springiness.
1: You should spring the spring.
0: Spring the spring, right? And the problem is, as we get older, we lose some of the springiness in our muscles, and that's why older runners tend to be more prone to things like tendinopathy and tendon injuries.
1: Mm, because their springy springs aren't springy anymore.
0: You got it. They're they're stiffer.
1: Yeah, which is unfortunate, and you also don't get rebound with every step. Mm-hmm. Like part of the benefit of your your muscles having this sort of tightness and the ability to like coil up and spring back is with every step that you land, your your muscles themselves actually spring themselves back up. Right. So each step is not I have to lift my fit, foot off the ground. You're getting some help. The muscles want to bounce your foot back off the ground. There should be a bounciness to this. Mm-hmm. This leads to the current shoe controversy. Is Nike Created a shoe that was giving you extra rebound. It was trying to to essentially do what your muscles did. And they're like, no, no, no. This is the springiest thing. And I mean, shoe company's been doing this for over a decade. And Nike found a way of making it extra springy that was giving you four percent greater efficiency. People are like, okay, they totally just made that number. And then you looked at like everyone's like the elite athletes who are using these shoes, and they're like marathon and half marathon times, and then. Subtracted four percent, and you got their brand new marathon and half marathon times, and mm. that's where it came from. Is suddenly people are pring at like the elite level. They pr by like ten seconds, yeah, three seconds. People were taking off two minutes off of already world class marathon times. Wow. It was like, yeah, it it actually is the shoes.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that's a little background of, on that, which is cool. But basically, th- this just goes back to strength training again. Okay, as we get older, our muscles do tend to get smaller. It's called, and if you if you guys want another fun term, it's called sarcopenia. It basically, means whoa, yeah, muscle wasting with age is 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 what happens if we don't use them properly. And so if we go out and run and then spend the rest of our day like sitting at a desk or doing a lot of sedentary work, our muscles are just kind of getting atrophied, wasting away. So yeah, see, that's, I
1: typed atrophy. Yeah. I, you went with sarcopenia. Yeah, I
0: know, that's a fun one. So th- th- there's a lot of fun terms out there that we can throw around, but... um Basically, you need to do the strength training to fight the effects of that. You don't want your muscles to atrophy as you get older. You don't want them to waste away. You want to maintain as much lean muscle mass as possible. Running is going to help you with that somewhat, but strength training is really going to help you with it.
1: Strength training is going to help you way more than just going out and running repeatedly. Especially as you get older, you want to really make sure that you are hitting the strength training multiple times a week because that's Mm -hmm. how you actually build the lean muscle mass Mm -hmm. and that corresponds to all sorts of huge overall health benefits like you just your body is younger than your age is Mm -hmm.
0: decreased risk of osteoporosis being one of them i mean
1: like anything all the health things you just start you can start rattling them all off whether whether one causes the other but they all correlate perfectly
0: right exactly so stop wasting so much time stretching spend more time doing mobility work tissue mobility work, joint mobility work, and strength training, and you will be much better off in your running and then also just in your overall health.
1: Fantastic. There
0: there are no actual health benefits of stretching.
1: Zero. Sometimes it feels good.
0: Zero health benefits.
1: Sometimes it feels Sometimes good. Sometimes
0: it feels good. Like, I mean, but yoga and that kind of like dynamic active stretching, there's a lot of really good benefits of that, but that's, not as much of that just stretch. I mean, sometimes you do hold positions in yoga for an extended period of time, but it's also a little bit different the way that they do it, depending on your yoga class.
1: Right. So there's a lot of good, thing, good places to use your time more wisely, but if there is a couple of stretches that you really, really love, is there anything that is harming somebody by going through their like, three-minute stretch routine that they do before they go out and run every day?
0: Is there anything harming them? Yes. Not really I mean as long as you just aren't trying to like stretch beyond what your muscle is telling you I think that's really the the key is that you're not trying to like gain more motion. like you want to kind of stretch into that point where you start to feel that stiffness and that tightness and then pull back and then you can do it again and then pull back like don't try to like just you know gut it out and try to like push through and get more range of motion especially before you're actually warmed up that will be harmful all
1: right well that makes sense yeah
0: all right, so that's pretty much what we have for you guys. Hopefully, that was helpful for you um, to kind of start to work through some of these things and spend your time more effectively.
1: And that brings us to our favorite segment of the episode, which is the Runner of the Week.
0: Woohoo! <laughs> I got to do it this time.
1: Drum roll! <laughs> Who do we got?
0: Our runner of the week this week is an amazing woman with an amazing story. Her name is Nima Maples, and we are so excited to highlight her story here on the Real Life Runners podcast today.
1: I just love that she's Nima warrior princess in the world, in the online world.
0: I think it's warrior princess Nima, isn't
1: it? Either way, I say yee in my head every time (laughs) I see it.
0: Yeah, Nima's awesome. So Nima has shown her strength and her willpower for a long time now because she's been battling some health conditions and she has not let it stop her. So when we contacted her to let her know that we chose her to be our runner of the week, this is what she said.
1: All right, I got to start this because you got to pronounce the things in the second paragraph here. Thank you for featuring me as the runner of the week. I am truly honored. Real Life Runners podcast and tribe have helped me in so many ways. They have provided me with training tips and life lessons and helped me mo- help keep me motivated. As a new runner, I had no idea how to train. And there were so many factors involved in running.
0: I started running in November 2018 after walking my first half marathon. I fell in love with running after I discovered my first runner's high. Running is an escape and a huge accomplishment for me. I have been battling multiple myeloma and aggressive blood cancer with no cure since July 2010. I have also been diagnosed with Sjogren's syndrome, osteoarthritis, and osteopenia. I have had to make many adjustments as a runner due to my health issues. But one thing that I have learned from RLR is to never give up. I am so grateful for our RLR.
1: We are so grateful that you are part of it. Oh,
0: for sure. Like, I love watching your journey, Nima. Like, I just find you to be such an inspiration and... She's reached out to us multiple times and thanked us for the podcast and told us that we inspire her. And I I just throw that right back at you because you are an absolute inspiration to us and to everyone else around you, I'm sure, because you just don't give up. Like, look at the list of conditions that you're that she's dealing with right now and she's still like if you watch her on Instagram and are in the tribe she's running she's weightlifting she's doing boot camp classes yeah she's awesome yeah she's she's awesome and so Nima congratulations we are so happy that we can honor you and feature you here because you are truly the definition of a real life runner that is out there, despite what other people are telling you and you are choosing to run your life. So thank you for all that you do. Thank you for sharing your journey with us and your story with us. Um, and keep doing what you're doing and inspiring people along the way.
1: So if you're finding yourself injured or burnt out, lacking the motivation, maybe just running inconsistently. You're telling yourself you're not a runner, you're failing, that you you can't accomplish anything in your running and you're just heading down the path where the the thoughts just keep getting further and further negative.
0: Yeah. I mean, th- that that problem is only going to get worse if you if you find yourself in this in a downward spiral where you just feel like you're lacking what you need to succeed. We have the program that's right for you and we're going to be opening the doors for our Real Life Runners Training Academy in just a few weeks. So we want you to be on the waiting list. We want you to be the first people to know because we can take you from that struggling, burnt out, depressed, like runner that is just not achieving what you want to achieve and help put you in the driver's seat, help put you in charge, find a plan that's right for you help you to run faster, help you to breathe better so that running feels better, help you to take care of all those aches and pains so that you can get out of that injury cycle once and for all, help you see the joy and so that you can find joy in every single run, find joy in just your running journey in general. Because our Real Life Runners Training Academy will give you the tools that you need to get Get out of that pain, injury, depression, anxiety cycle, and get into feeling strong and accomplished and in charge of your running, your health, and your life. So if you want to be a part of that, go over to YourRunningPlan.com today and sign up for our waiting list so that you will be the first person notified when our doors open next month.
1: Once more, the website is YourRunningPlan.com.
0: Thank you guys so much for spending this time with us this week. Like you always do. We appreciate you taking the time to be with us and we do not take that lightly. Thank you so much. This has been the Real Life Runners Podcast, episode number 129. Now get out there and run your life. If you're ready to have more fun and achieve the goals that matter to you without sacrificing the rest of your life in the process, this message is for you. Maybe you're feeling confused or frustrated because you're not making the progress you want, even though you're running three times per week or more. Maybe you're feeling tired or sore all the time because you're pushing harder every day trying to get better. Maybe you want to run longer, but every time you run a couple of miles, that nagging knee pain starts to act up again. Maybe you've been told that you should probably stop running so much because you're getting older, but you refuse to accept that and want to find a way to continue to improve in your 40s, 50s, and beyond. Maybe you just feel like you're winging it every day and want to start working towards a goal. You want to feel better and be able to make progress in your running as you get older. And if you're like us and the other runners we work with, you want your running to help you become stronger and more resilient in all other areas of your life too. Plus, You need something that fits in your real life, that is simple, easy to understand, and effective. Don't worry, we've got you. If you're ready to transform into a strong, confident, and successful real-life runner, the Real Life Runners Academy has everything you need. It includes training plans, coaching, and programs that will teach you how to run faster, run longer, feel better, and accomplish your goals. Check it out today over at realliferunners.com forward slash academy. Enrollment will be opening soon, so be sure to join the wait list so that you can be notified when doors are open. It's time to run your life.